We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Super Bowl 58. Niners and the Chiefs squaring off in Vegas this Sunday. Mario and I get into all the nitty gritty for this game. We're also going to break down some interesting draft stuff that we've seen come across the wire over the course of this last week. But mostly, this is a Super Bowl preview show. Let's rock. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McKechnie. That is Mario Puig. This is our Super Bowl preview podcast. There are many like it, but this one is ours. And therefore, uh, keep listening. We got some odd, weird takes that, that you've come to expect from Mario and myself over the years and, of course, over the season. Uh, Mario, how you doing? Now that uh, you know we had the week off, last week as far as uh, football action to digest are you hungry are you ready for more this sunday no uh i like it <laughs> like last week um for a little while not not all the time it's just uh season fatigue you know doing the doing the uh, content grind the way that we do it uh makes it an intense you know eight month stretch or so and uh particularly now that there are two teams that i don't actually care about at the end i'm just kind of like looking for the fast for the skip button even i don't not, not fast forward i'd like to skip 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 and uh can't uh trapped we've got to wait and uh it's it's uh i'm antsy i guess is what i am i, I just kind of want to get past this and uh bury it forget it i'm excited i, I think that this is the all told the the two best teams in the nfl this year i know the chiefs didn't yeah. necessarily show it the entire way but you know, once the postseason began, it I think it's been pretty clear that you know, but it's not too dissimilar from from like the the height of the Patriots dynasty, where it's like you know they they could sleepwalk a little bit at times. It you know garnering the questions like, oh, is the Patriots dynasty over? You know, not not that people were saying that about the Chiefs necessarily, but people were starting to question if this was a a, a down year for them. You know, like the the lack of pass catching weapons, obvious ones outside of. The, the emergence of Rasheed Rice, obviously Travis Kelsey kind of having a down regular season re- compared to what we're used to. You know, there, there are questions about them, but 
uh, they've been certainly answered uh, over the over the last month or so, and that they are obviously uh, very formidable going into this game. What do you think of the spread being what it is, where where it's settled in? I, I think that we, we're probably at the last of the line movement, um, but we're, we're seeing it as Kansas City as two point underdogs in this one. They are garnering sixty three percent of the money uh, on the spread over at DraftKings. This line opened up as the Niners minus one. That's where I got it personally. We can unpack that a little bit later. It has bounced around a little bit to one and a half and then uh, ultimately settled in at this Niners minus two number. Yeah, and the bigger bets are going on the 49ers. So uh, that in the past has has oftentimes been a pretty good predictor of who actually covers or and wins and uh yeah, I hope I hope those guys who are, p- are putting the the bigger bets or I hope there's uh, maybe it's all just a bubble driven by, you know, Silicon Valley doinks who who have a way too much like tech money and um maybe after inflating uh you know causing the bubble with like sports cards during the pandemic, maybe this is their their new thing for for these couple of weeks anyway. Uh but short of that, there might be reason to think that yeah, like people who have a history of winning on sports betting are are primarily uh, putting uh, big bets on the, on the 49ers. So uh, as far as why they would do that, I don't know if there's uh, clearly, I don't know of any, you know, stat based reason to assume that the 49ers are at a clear advantage here, but somebody, some collection of people have made that determination and that they're putting down more money per uh, bet. So that's that's concerning to me. I'm still going with the chiefs, but if it were to go wrong for the chiefs, I guess you might, look at this 49ers setup uh, similarly to, to like what the Tampa Bay team was, which is to say uh, the better defense of the two teams and a good enough and loaded enough skill position offense, loaded enough offensive line offense to where uh, it didn't matter that the chiefs had the better quarterback in the game. And then the chiefs kind of got, you know, bullied in that contest. Uh, maybe the 49ers are the physical sort of, you know, dominant defense to, to bring that same sort of, uh, the same sort of challenge to the chiefs. And I guess the re the way I would uh, call this a different scenario than that is I think the chiefs defense is better this time by quite a bit, actually uh, not, not by not better than the 49ers. I mean, better than the chiefs defense of the Tampa Bay super bowl instance. Right. And um, I guess you would also say the 49ers defense is probably bet a little better than that Buccaneers defense, but uh, the Buc- that Buccaneers defense was really tough. It's easy to forget. It wasn't, you know, this year's Tampa Bay defense, and uh, the Chiefs defense was not, uh, in my opinion, particularly close to the level it's at now. So if those people are, are betting on the 49ers under the reasoning that it's, the, you know, more or less a replay of the Buccaneers game, I think that would be where the main difference is for me. Is it's basically the, the Chiefs as a pass defense in particular are probably close to top five or something like that in the NFL this year. Yeah, it, it's Great, a combination of great personnel and really good scheme. Uh, I think, you know, that it's hard to really describe this or, or, or point to it so often because oftentimes a great coordinator will ultimately, uh, you know, be, be a head coach but before too long. But, you know, Steve Spagnolo uh, has basically garnered this reputation of being a, a great big game defensive coordinator, you know, from his time with, with the Giants and then uh, obviously now with, with, with the Chiefs. Over these last few years, um, 
I, I think I compare it a little bit to last year's Super Bowl, really, in the, in the sense that w- when you really look at this game from, you know, a, just a, a zoomed out point of view, you say one side, probably the better roster, better team, 1 to 53 or 1 to 22, however you want to count it. But the other team has Patrick Mahomes. I, I've, that's pretty much where I landed on things. And that was the, the kind of prevailing narrative for, for the Eagles Chiefs game last year and I think that you could apply that similar logic uh this year to to the Niners uh as to whether the Niners are actually better um are going to be a tougher matchup for the Chiefs than, than the Eagles were I, yeah I mean but you know that was a that was a crazy game I mean that we we saw an over under in that game at, at 50 that there ended up being what like 73 points scored in that one something crazy like that that this one the defenses are expected to be a little bit uh, more on the on the side of having the advantage with, with the over under being set at 47 and a half. But but that's where I land on it a, a little bit more so. But I, I do like the Buccaneers uh, season comparison. Um, but yeah, basically, it's really, really good team versus Patrick Mahomes and a really good team. And uh, even though he was at the end of his career, obviously, Brady was still a quarterback who not only could throw it 40 plus times a game, but generally did like that Buccaneers team was specifically built to throw the ball a lot. And uh, it's not bad that the 49ers are built to run the ball, but as far as, you know, as far as finding similarities in that Buccaneers game, another difference that I could point out is that whereas if, if Tom Brady needed to throw the ball 45 times, it's like no problem. Buccaneers can play that game. If Purdy needs to throw it more than 30 times, He's into hazardous territory right there, in my opinion. Uh, I just I just think that um, as much as people look at like the touchdowns per pass and stuff like that, and they just sort of prorate it, and they're like, oh, if he threw it 40 times, he threw like five touchdowns a game. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd pose the question like, well, why don't you think they do that every week then? And uh, maybe that they don't do it every week indicates that like, while yes, they're scoring touchdowns at a blistering rate, any failure to do it, uh, i.e. any scenario where they would end up throwing more passes because they're not scoring as quickly could also be one where they also they, they start turning it over throwing incomplete passes that don't happen in the current structure so uh, Purdy's success is dependent on that structure in my opinion whereas Tom Brady was uh, a player who didn't need any cover at all so let's start there let's start with, with the Niners offense we'll, we'll break it down this way we'll, we'll look at what what to expect when the Niners have the ball? What to expect when the Chiefs have the ball? And then get get to our uh, predictions from there. But leading things off, I mean, I think one of the big takeaways from the AFC Championship game was you know the Ravens didn't test the the Chiefs' run defense, which is that you know if there is a weak point on that defensive unit, it's against the run. Do the Niners make that same mistake this week, or do you think McCaffrey is is really heavily involved here? Right. Um, the 49ers are a run-first offense, and uh, the, the Ravens are, are generally thought of as the same, but I think it's pretty clear that the Munkin scheme was not run-first. It was more like, I guess you could call it pragmatic in that game, that one game they, they didn't run the ball at all, of course and uh, so they weren't pragmatic there, that was uh, what, if they didn't if they weren't going to lose eventually for other reasons like they, they might have buried themselves right at the outset by refusing to uh, you know go to a second carry for Gus Edwards after 15 yards, uh, the 49ers, they're, they're more run heavy than the, the Ravens in my opinion like the Ravens run a lot, incidentally 
out of having like Lamar Jackson handle the ball so much, but the 49ers always run the ball. If they throw the ball 40 plus times, it's like they got, they gave up 14 points in the first quarter. So short of that, they are going to run necessarily, you know, it's, it's like the, the Ravens can run a lot. The 49ers always do. So McCaffrey, I would say gets to 30 carries in this game, uh, regardless of what happens. Otherwise, like I, I think, I think Shanahan knows that if you can put the ball, if you, if you can make the calculus for the 49ers offense, you know, the uh, Christian McCaffrey on the ground versus a at best average run defense, one that might be below average. You, you want to make that scenario take up as much of, of the uh, calculus of the game. Uh, or at least you, you don't want the alternative of Brock Purdy versus Snead and McDuffie taking up a huge part of the pie. You know, it's like you want, you want the the if there's a pie and you're you're just cutting up parts of it as as you know the the usage of the offense you want McCaffrey versus the run defense of the Chiefs to take up as much of it as possible and uh, you you don't you don't want to test your luck you know unnecessarily and I think that's what they they would be doing if they threw it too many times so uh, yeah I think also the Chiefs aren't again great against the run so it's it's um as much as the the 49ers need to run the ball primarily run it often and run it well it's also a favorable setup for doing that like there's no they they, they have the additional reason of like well it's just practical to do in this case because it's the, the yards are just right there take them so looking at just like kind of like a quick tangent for for this week when it comes to the 49ers have you seen the the hubbub the hand wringing about the the quality of their practice facilities in, in vegas this week I saw. I have no idea what's going on though, and uh, maybe uh, do you know for sure what the details are? Because I, I don't remember any story like this, and I'm, I, uh, I would say if their accusations or if the, the way they are, you know, describing things, if it's true, it does seem like a pretty open and shut case of like pretty substantial negligence, and uh, you know, maybe 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 to the degree that there's a like damages owed but i don't know i, I this is it's uh, the whole story is weird to me yeah like uh, on on the one hand um th- things should be in in tip-top condition for for this for teams preparing for the super bowl like full stop like I, I think that that's completely reasonable um but you and you would think that unlv could, could hold up that that end of the bargain on, on the other hand you know the the more callous side of me says UNLV practice on that field and they made it all the way to the Mountain West Championship game. So <laughs> but um I don't know maybe they maybe no one intended to the field after uh November or something like that. Maybe it's just be. been getting rained on and um you know possums living in there, things like that. Uh but it, t- to be serious, I I didn't look at any of it. Was there um it was was there basically a point where the 40 did the 49ers have a legitimate point uh um i i think like that there was even discussion about them like going back to to santa clara to, to practice t- type of thing like it wow it, the the um, field was like really soft apparently and you know vegas being what it, what it is as dry as it is i think anytime that it rains um it kind of messes things up I believe that that was the case this week. I think there were some puddles on, on the field and and stuff like that. So I mean, it it in all seriousness, it sounds like it you know kind of a, a JV setup for a team getting ready for for the Super Bowl. But 
no one's really going to like lend any credence to that. Like once the game actually kicks off, I, I wouldn't think, but I don't know. People were freaking out about the field in Arizona, the, the actual game field last week or last year too. So just more turf talk, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'll probably just try to not learn any more about this. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but let's get back to, to the Niners offense. So again, we're, we're talking about distributing as much as, as they possibly can. That makes sense to, to McCaffrey. And, and to me that, that I think is the optimal way for them to go. Um, I, I kind of flippantly mentioned last week that, that I did like McCaffrey as the MVP, but you kind of smartly pointed out if the Niners are, are to win this game, narrative city uh that they're just it's going to be hard to, to not give it to purdy but i think mccaffrey might have a big enough game to Ooh. wear i think that's that's being a little generous if i may be pedantic for a moment like i Please. i don't think it's hard to not give the award to purdy i think there's a lot of political pressure to do right. it and i um, mischaracterized but same idea. oh no you're you're i, I it, you're you're putting it fairly i just uh i i think it takes mental gymnastics. It takes uh, dishonesty, actually, to uh, say Brock Purdy is more important to the 49ers offense than uh, Christian McCaffrey is. But there is a reason the running backs don't matter narrative sticks and gets such a friendly reception from uh, mainstream media, which is that it is fundamentally anti-worker and there will always be current. There will always be pay. There will always be jobs paying in media to say like, these people have these these people this this non-capital class uh has too much money and needs to give it to their betters above them and uh that's what the running backs don't matter thing is about and so yeah you're you're gonna that pressure is real though there's gonna be like well you you gotta give it to the quarterback the quarterback is what matters like no it doesn't the the running back is the center this is a running back based offense objectively it is and uh you know for, for what it's worth as far as uh niners props are concerned McCaffrey to score two plus touchdowns. You can get that at plus 210 over at DraftKings. Definitely like that. Um, there's an interesting one also at FanDuel, um, I believe it under the Super Bowl specials tab, where if McCaffrey scores both a rushing and a receiving touchdown, I think that pays out plus 750. So oh, I'm very interested in that. Yeah, all those are pretty interesting to me. Uh, one another one that I saw, I can't remember if I want to say it was like t- plus two forty or plus two fifty, uh, was McCaffrey scoring last touchdown from scrimmage, and I like that one. I, th- I think that one's viable for whatever way you see the game going because it's like if the 49ers win, a uh, touchdown for McCaffrey being the last touchdown of the game, you know, to put it out of reach, that that would be one way that it happens. And even if it's the 49ers catching up to try to whatever tie the game or do a field, do an onside kick, et cetera, et cetera. McCaffrey scoring is the most likely outcome of, of any scenario where they score a touchdown, I think. And uh, yeah, could, I, I think he, he, if it's the 49ers tying or getting within three, it's like McCaffrey scoring in that situation is at least as likely as anybody else on the offense. Well said. And and actually, you undersold how good those odds are. Plus 350. Oh, Okay. Well, uh, yeah, it's uh, but the the yeah the interesting thing about that one to me, otherwise, is uh, it again can go along with like a a a pro Forty ers stack of McCaffrey stuff. It's like there's nothing uh, in a lot of ways. If if it's uh, you know if the two touchdown one hits, then the last touchdown being to McCaffrey, I figure the odds of that have to go up accordingly too. So 
uh, yeah. could, could get a nice, you know, payday out of something obvious like McCaffrey having a big game. Right. And, and yeah, I, th- I think that really does work, work nicely for this one, because I, th- I think if the Niners have really any chance in this game, it, it, McCaffrey's going to have a ton yeah. to do with it. Um, so given you, your expertise with, with corner personnel and, and matchups and, and where guys line up for, for their routes and everything, um, I do want to get into some proverbial tough matchups or softer matchups for the this uh, Niners group of pass catchers when, when it comes to attacking uh, the, this Chiefs defense. Do, does this set up well for, for guys like George Kittle, or is it more like a downfield guy like Brandon Ayuk or, or somewhere in the middle like a Debo Samuel? I think there's something there for Kittle if they want to go there, but I, I wonder if they might instead want to get Debo and, and Ayuk going and, and Kittle. Uh, if, if that right tackle McKivitz needs some help, then Kittle might get you know more chip blocking kind of work on the right side. And uh, sometimes when he does that, it, he, he still gets open for the you know, the, the yards after the catch opportunity. Sometimes that's a deliberate setup of the play where they just kind of fake that he's blocking and they, they more so do a screen kind of thing to him. So those kinds of plays are always there for the 49ers if they want to run it. But um, if they want to set up like a play action look, that's, you know, getting Ayuk 15, 20 yards downfield, they might keep Kittle in the block, a, like at least for a beat on that play. And maybe, you know, it's particularly given that the 49ers don't, by design throw more than 27 28 times a game that little slight wrinkle in the game plan can kind of pinch kittle out of the numbers that day even though he the play the big play is always there for him it's like just are they are they going for something else and um to what degree of success do they have going toward that other thing so um yeah i think uh it would make a lot of sense for the 49ers to just run constantly with mccaffrey even to the point that whatever Mitchell and Mason get a couple carries because when you're really going run heavy like that, that's probably when you set up the play action to Kittle's benefit uh, where you're going like bigger formation, getting the bigger personnel on defense and then get Kittle off the play action. Um, but yeah, I do worry if they're going play action to the receivers, it, it might be a play that kind of uh, delays the release for Kittle. And obviously the, the design of the 49ers offense is, is pretty much impeccable. The sequencing that Shanahan calls the plays with, uh, makes the plays even more effective and generally the the look that Shanahan is going th- for will be there so it's um it's just rare that even Purdy gets to the third read you know uh so if, it, if it's Debo Ayuk it's tough for Kittle so that's why I have no idea how to call which two but I, f- I feel like two of the 49ers receivers uh, including Kittle in that uh you know term mm-hmm. They are set up well, but there's always that third guy, you know, because they don't throw it 30 plus times. That third one is rarely there in the game flow, even though like they, they could obviously make the play matchup wise and, and ability wise. So don't know how to call it. I, I, but if I had to lean one way, I'd say more so the receivers, because Debo seems to me like a way to uh, further emphasize the run identity, further set the tone of the game. So I think they're going to go to him quite a bit in addition to running with McCaffrey. Like I expect McCaffrey to get like 25 carries and um, I, I think Debo could get like five or I don't know, eight or something like that in this game. So um, I think it's going to be a Debo heavy game. But um, if they're if if Shanahan is trying to play like the high low tension, which I think he will, the high part is is Ayuk. You know, it's like you, uh, Kittle can get there after the catch. 
but Ayuk is the one who, who, who stresses the defense vertically. So uh, you, you make one play to open up another and the McCaffrey Debo underneath opening up Ayuk vertically is kind of, if I, if I had to guess, I would see it going like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated by, by the, the Niners ability to just sort of like make it a, player x game and it's like oh this is gonna be a, it's debo week oh it's it's george kittle week oh it's it's iuk week and, and you never can really like spot it perfectly but beforehand but it, it seems like it's always at least one of those guys and then beyond that i mean is there any other kind of lingering interest in any of these other pass catchers that you could see making a potential impact for the niners well, I think Jawan Jennings is a good player. Uh, the problem with him is that the 49ers are an I-formation base offense. They would rather have use check at fullback than Jennings at receiver in the slot, and that's the very specific trade-off. So if Ayuk and Debo are on the field and use check is on the field, Jennings almost categorically cannot be. Right. check plays upwards of you know 30, sometimes 40 snaps, so... It's it's tough for Jennings to obviously slot in and the opportunity would be very narrow as a result, if he, especially if he's playing as little as like 20 snaps, which is what the 49ers want. The 49ers don't want Jennings playing 30 plus because if he is, it meant they had to stop running basically and start yeah, they're out of their that's, base. That's specifically where they don't want to they don't want to go. Uh, but uh, what I could see Shanahan doing. I could see Shanahan. Trying to get. So Trent McDuffie's really good, but I could see Shanahan trying to do some some weird thing where it's uh, maybe they run a couple times with Debo and and Ayuk is actually on the bench, not not because he's bench, but they're they're just setting up a look and you know it's like Debo and Jennings could be the receiver, Jennings could be in the slot. If Snead is following Debo, which I kind of expect to happen, then you could you could run from that look, be it both uh, you know Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey. And then you could set up a play action kind of thing where I, I'm remembering, I think it was Alan Lazard made. I'm just remembering as a play this year, believe it or not this year, uh, Alan Lazard making a catch against Trent McDuffie. And it was kind of like, it was, it was a play action kind of thing. And you could kind of see how a big receiver on McDuffie off of press coverage with the benefit of play action could actually be a really tough spot for McDuffie. And I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot to be said for a, a game plan, a, a strategy of trying to make big plays that that generally you don't have any business making against the best players on the defense just to kind of rattle them. Like if if McDuffie gives up like a nine yard touchdown off a of play action to Juwan Jennings, you know, that's 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 not something they see a whole lot, you know, and it's it, if not that they're thinking this way, not that it, they would care, but uh I don't know if, if if you're on defense and you see McDuffie give up a touchdown, you have to be thinking like, huh, maybe this isn't our day. This this isn't mm. uh, the way it usually goes. And that was I don't even know that that was Jennings. That wasn't even Debo. So uh, that that's that's a good way to kind of uh, to help, you know, rattle the defense a little bit at the very least, make them a little more uh, make their make their balance be a bit off, make their, their rhythm be a bit altered. I like it. A little, a little psychological warfare. It's like we're. We're going to score with with this guy that that plays twenty snaps a game. See how you like that. Um, so I think that's a that's a pretty good encapsulation on, on what to expect there when, when the Niners have the ball. Before we get to the Chiefs side of the ledger, we got a message from our friends over at Circa. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. 
Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen, booming game sound, plus a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with day beds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more, or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circa Sports, for the big game bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bars, stadium-style food, and more. May I suggest the sliders? They are delicious. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. That's this Sunday, folks. The big game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. After doing that read about 20 times this year, I like to think that I got that one pretty close to right. Um, let's, uh, <laughs> we also got a message from our friends over at FanDuel tackle millions in prizes, all playoffs long in FanDuel fantasy contests. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now new customers get a 100% deposit match up to hundred dollars playing fantasy for huge cash prizes on FanDuel is both fun and exciting. Just draft your lineup and watch your team move up the leaderboard. Plus on FanDuel. You can choose from full slate contests featuring multiple games, single game contests like the Super Bowl, uh, season long best ball contests, beginner only contests, which are great for learning the ropes and more. And when you win, you get paid instantly. Kick off the football season and the postseason with a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's free money, folks. Go to FanDuel.com to start playing for huge cash prizes today. Um, Mario, before we get on, onto the Chiefs side of things, any DFS thoughts for, for this week uh, on FanDuel? Any, any ideas on how you're going to craft that showdown lineup? Well, um, I was kind of saying before I was, uh, for Kittle's sake, a little concerned uh, fantasy-wise only. Uh, he'll, he'll do a great job blocking if he needs to do it. But if he is asked with helping that right tackle at all, then, you know, it's... it's um, making him start the race a little later than Debo and Ayuk and whatever other route runners are on the play. So I'm probably not going at Kittle. I'm definitely going at Debo. Ayuk, if I can, you know, fit the, fit the pricing, but um, my build would non-negotiably have McCaffrey and Debo. Uh, the other things are, are more negotiable. So uh, as someone who, who plays the, the showdown slates during the year on uh you know, on Sunday night, Monday night football, Thursday night football, any sicko ideas for, for your MVP slot? Uh, probably not any sicko ideas for the MVP slot. I mean, sometimes at, at a non-MVP slot in your roster, you might have to get some minimum price guy who, you know, literally plays 10 snaps or something a game because if he gets you five points, then you save so much money on the other re- remaining picks that you uh, you get the big payout that way. Uh, but as far as likely MVPs, I would be leaning just pretty much McCaffrey and Debo. Of course, Kittle, Ayuk, Purdy, any number of Chiefs, I guess that uh, they could they could all take that. But um, I just think that McCaffrey and Debo are are so utterly necessary for the for the 49, uh, 49ers offense, and I think they function against the most vulnerable parts of the Chiefs defense that. Whatever way the game goes, uh, McCaffrey and, and Debo will have good games, and I, th- I think they they might have um, 
you know, if, if, if there's only two good games in the 49ers offense, I, I just feel really confidently it'll be them. And then on the Chiefs side, uh, th- things are just, you know, Kelsey's obvious. Rasheed Rice is somewhat obvious. But I feel like you're you're more likely to get guys like MVS kind of diluting you know, with one, you know, 40 yard touchdown or something like that. Diluting the the, the price, to- uh, the, the point totals for the Chiefs guys, whereas I think as as workhorses, McCaffrey and Debo, uh, again, don't. There's like no scenario where I can I can imagine them uh, having their workloads harmed. Yeah, I, I think I'm just gonna throw caution to the wind with the rest of my lineup a, a little bit, but I, I think McCaffrey is, is my MVP. Um, is gonna be kind of like the the basis of most of my builds uh, on Super Sunday. So again, sh- big shout out uh, to FanDuel, and of course, check out FanDuel.com. Get that deposit bonus match up to one hundred dollars. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, Mario, let's flip it over. Let's uh, let's take a look at how this Chiefs offense is going to attack the Niners defense. So um, leading things off, you know, wh- where does... You know, where does this Niners defense have its strengths and, and how could that uh, fluster Mahomes? Well, um, 
I think that the 49ers defense has mainly three distinct strengths. Uh, I, I'm calling the the group some of the the four down linemen. One of those three, though. So uh, obviously that's Bosa, that's Hargrave. There's there's a few guys at Armstead, uh, but I think of like that front four as as totally solid, really uh, excellent group, especially as far as one gap style defense, uh, pass rushing, things like that. Uh, Fred Warner is the other one. I, I know Greenlaw is a totally good linebacker, but Fred Warner is a different category of of like seam coverage ability, different uh, player in general at linebacker. Uh, he's almost like a, a safety corner tweener at the same time. And uh, yeah, again, the seam covering running backs and the flats covering tight ends in general. Those Those are all things that he might be the best at in the NFL. So that would, uh, that would intersect with Travis Kelsey probably quite a bit. And uh, not to say that'll definitely happen. Sometimes they have Warner doing more like zone coverages rather than one-on-one things. But uh, as far as a, a deterring strength against Kelsey could go as, as far as however many there might be, Warner is definitely like the first one on that list. If, if that list exists. So uh, that's concerning for the chiefs. But uh, other than those two strengths, you know, the down four lineman, Fred Warner, I think the other is pretty much just Charvarius Ward, who is very good, uh, but they only play him on one side. I want to say the left. And he he's not like a he's not a top eight, 10 corner, in my opinion. Like he's, he's like top 20, top 15, you know, totally good lead off boundary corner. And he's good enough that he doesn't need help. They they have leftover help to give to Ambry Thomas and Diamondaire Lenore who need it. And uh, Ward is very good in that capacity. But he, as you saw in that Vikings game, if you can beat Ward, and in that game's case, it was uh, somehow Jordan Addison that was whooping him. Uh, if you can if you can overwhelm Ward, then um, you can make that whole pass defense start to get a little creaky because like if they got to give Ward a little help. Ambry Thomas is, you know, a leak in the boat on the other side. So they, they, they tend to just not give Ward the help. And if he needs it, he just doesn't get it. Um, but as, as far as this matchup goes, I just don't, I don't know if the chiefs have anyone who can really beat Ward, I guess. Rasheed Rice would be, you know, the only, the only candidate really, but I don't know that, that, that seems like a pretty tough matchup. So um, if the, yeah, if, if the chiefs can't hurt Ward, then the task becomes like, can you hurt, Lenore or Thomas who are getting help because Fred Warner doesn't need any help in the seam. If Ward's not getting any help on the left side, you're you as a defense only need to help about half of the field at this point. And if, if Travis Kelsey isn't beating Warner, you can see how it would kind of get to be a jam because I guess at that point you're talking like Rasheed Rice versus double teams or Marquez Valdez Scantling versus double teams. And uh, that's just not, that's not that's not where you want to be if you're the Chiefs. So, uh, in that matchup sense, in the passing game, I, I feel like there are some tough, you know, not just stalemates, but maybe kind of like dead ends for the Chiefs. So, to me, the key to getting out of that all is actually Pacheco. And this is something at once you you would look at the 49ers' run defense this year and say like they they look pretty good. I'm not sure that's going to work. And fair enough. But I think. Uh, in the second half of the year, we've seen that the 49ers run defense, while good overall and, and situationally, they, they can be very tough. Certainly, they aren't well-rounded in the, specifically the sense that they're not really prepared to play like two gap style defense where they hold up against physical straight ahead running games. You know, like Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, 
they need cover. They need guys like Kinlaw and Hargrave to keep the linemen off of them so they can run freely. Um, because if you get a hat, if you get a helmet on them, uh, especially Greenlaw, you can kind of just bury them. Like if you're if you're a fullback or a tight end, and especially if you're a lineman, you can just you can start knocking those guys around. And when Greenlaw and Warner are not free to roam, I think they get taken out of their game a little bit more. Like they they don't want to take on blockers. It's it's not that they can't. It's just they're they're not really built to do it. They're built to track. Uh, to pursue laterally and, and through split gaps, but they're not built to hold ground against blockers or, or to shed uh, blockers if they're taken on head on. So to me, um, Pacheco could be challenging to the 49ers. Like they're, they're used to sort of on defense wrecking the offense, including the run game without specifically making the effort to do it. They more so kind of, they have this method of just blowing up gaps, you know, playing like one gap with the exception of Kinlaw. They're all one gap guys. Uh, they rotate Kinlaw with that uh, Penn State undrafted one, Givens. I can't, I can't remember for sure. Uh, you look at him; he's like six one, two seventy five. All he does is just try to split gaps. And if what they're banking on is like him to split that gap and you to hand the ball off, run into the guy he's splitting the gap, runs into your running back. But what happens if you if you split the wrong gap or if you fail to split the gap at all? That guy's just getting rocked. Givens is just getting rocked out of the play. He's getting ragdolled. And then you have Pacheco with maybe a lead blocker against a linebacker who's, you know, 225 pounds, a, a Greenlaw, I guess Warner's closer to 240. But uh, that's the, that's the situation. If you like, if barring getting one-on-one against Ambry Thomas with somebody, the best thing for the chiefs, I think is to, to take blockers to, to Greenlaw and Warner and make them tackle Pacheco as many times as Pacheco can take it on. Like if Pacheco can take 30 carries, now or never kind of thing. Give them all of them. And uh, I think what you want to do is tenderize those San Francisco f- linebackers, uh, make them, make them, you know, put them in hell, make them not really want to go to do the next snap, leave them on the field a long time, get Bosa a little bit tenderized too. him and Hargrave. You want, you want them to, to waste energy defending the run and still give up first downs. That's, that's the, basically what you want to do to those guys. Like have them spend energy and give up first downs, then throw the ball after they lose some of the gas and so um, yeah so, so what what might be like the threshold like let, let's say for instance the the niners build a, a two possession lead let's say they're they're up 10 how much do you do you think the chiefs can not necessarily will but but can you know kind of stay committed to the run in, in that way because i think what, what you're like the situation or the scenario that you're laying out where um, you know, you have a run defense that that could have issues against a physical run run game like the Chiefs, but how long can they realistically stick with that? Yeah, uh, falling down ten points would certainly be challenging. Uh, I think they should, in that case, stick with it, uh, assuming it's not like you know eight minutes left or something where they'd be almost just screwed by the nature of the amount of time left. Uh, they should see it as. To me, it's just you, you, you approach it as what does the defense not want us to do? And if it's late enough in the game and if the 49ers have enough of a lead, they will say we want you to run the ball because the clock will go faster that way. But if it's not for the clock utility, I can't really see the 49ers saying, yeah, yeah put it go in I formation with two tight ends and run it, run a halfback dive right at Greenlaw. I don't think the 49ers want you to do that. I think they want you to panic and start throwing the ball so they can say okay the leash is off Greenlaw Warner you guys can just start running 
crazy again. Uh, they're not they're not going to run at you, run at you. So just uh, you know, go 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 crack skulls basically. Go run around and hit people, and uh, that's what they want. They that that's where they're at their best. When when you see the 49ers defense having success, it's because scenarios like that are occurring. You know, so uh, I think if the Chiefs aren't absolutely compelled by the clock, they they should try to stick with Pacheco in that case, because I, I think it's just taking the game back to where the 49ers don't want to play it. However, Andy Reed, despite lately to his credit, going extremely run heavy in a couple of those games, that's not how his career has gone. Generally, Andy Reed, right. maybe more than anyone short of like Mike Martz or some, you know, Mark Tressman style goofball, Andy Reed abandons the run quicker than almost any coach you can think of over however much time you want to think of. And uh, again, he, the last couple weeks has was very much the opposite. And and I think it has a lot to do with why things went as well as it did for the chiefs. I think, you know, that he, he sticking with the run the way he has lately, the way he didn't in the past might've might be the difference between a lot of his early playoff exit with the Eagles and, and uh, you know, the way it's going right now for the chiefs this year. So maybe Reed has changed. Um, but I guess, I don't know. Th- this is one of those settings where I would expect someone to revert to type if only from like the stress of it all. Uh, the answer is sitting right in front of you, dude. Like, I, I don't know how we're not just praising Matt Nagy right now. Uh, I, I don't know. I think Nagy got kind of like a weird deal. I just just seeing how stupid this Bears are run. Just checking to see that the Bears fans are still listening. Yeah, Bears Bears fans. Uh, no one likes Nagy at this point. It it seems, but uh, I don't know. I think he um he's not the reason why things were as bad as it was with the Bears. You know, it's like there's a mm-hmm. call it a curse, call it the owners. I don't care. Uh, the, the hateful force that that keeps that team in, in prison hell is is something that occurred that that existed long before Nagy and and rules uh, Soldier Field even now. So uh, yeah, but Nagy, I don't know. I th- I would not be shocked if he's if he's like a productive member of that that staff. Uh, although that's also it's made a little easier to say that just seeing that B enemy is just kind of you know some guy some 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 just some coach not a big deal i i uh i don't know i had a little salt rubbed in the wound where i think i saw a report that that uh the enemy had driven up the the beltway to to help the chiefs with their game prep uh for the ravens game but uh i'm not bitter i'm I'm definitely not he uh he probably he probably will be going back to the chiefs just like as the running backs coach or something yeah no i think so as well but um, you know, we, we've um, we've dug into to you know one way in which the the Chiefs could could attack the Niners. That might be the the most optimal just in terms of strategy. But you do have Patrick Mahomes; you're going to use him. So you know, but saying you know or, or assuming cleanish pockets and everything, Mahomes operating it as per usual. You know, how do you see this going for for him? Well. I guess uh, as much as I described the passing game as a, as a concerning matchup for the chiefs offense, this 49ers defense did look pretty weak and passive against the Ravens at the very least. And I feel like there was some other game where they looked kind of just surprisingly flat in their coverage. Uh, Oh, they didn't look great against the Packers. Yeah. That must've been what I was thinking of. And I, I don't know. I feel like every time that the 49ers are struggling on defense, they're calling kind of passive almost prevent style zones uh, they definitely were doing that against the ravens I don't, I don't know if it was like 
they were just hoping that keeping eyes on keeping all the defense facing Lamar at all times would would you know remove the rushing risk and therefore uh neutralize him as a passer at the same time that clearly if they were reasoning that way that was wrong um i think if uh in general like they they need to keep like a forward lean keep themselves in in a in a a chase you know hunting kind of mode there and um if if they do keep that kind of tone I, i still think it's tough for mahomes to throw because if he doesn't have a lot of time and if, if Traverius Ward is shutting down, whatever, I guess Justin Watson, easy to imagine. I mean, Justin Watson's terrible. Uh, that's that's why you pick against the Chiefs, because they're going to give like 30 snaps to Justin Watson. Um, but if Justin Watson is wasting a rep against Ward, then Rice, Kelsey, MVS might all get jammed up because uh, Warner against Kelsey, Rice against some corner and some safety, and then Valdez Scantling just being easily neutralized in general you know it's like where would the ball go pacheco maybe but uh you know green laws running free i don't really see it um i think i i one thing that they might want to try to do is uh just go to valdez scantling deep a couple times like you know you're not going to get a useful game out of valdez scantling asking him to run a bunch of uh in routes and slants so if he must be on the field and you must get some numbers out of him. I would, I would say like you as the chiefs want to keep Mahomes under something like 35 pass attempts running as much as it takes to keep that variable in that range and play action deep to, uh, Scantling, you know, like that I was saying how they have to get the win against ward one-on-one something that Addison gave the Vikings that the the chiefs don't obviously have. Maybe it's Valdez Scantling, you know, if, 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 if he, gives you one catch for 40 yards or something. That's, that's, a, that's enough right there. I think um, to, to give you just enough juice, just, just enough reason to keep the safeties back, uh, maybe open up a little bit, you know, laterally for Kelsey and, and rice, but I just don't see whatever way it goes, a scenario where Mahomes can throw the ball like 40 times. I think uh, for very different reasons, I think what I said about Purdy in the 49ers offense is pretty much true about Mahomes and the chiefs offense. Like if he's, if your quarterback is going over 40 temps before the other in this game, I think that team is in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I, I think that, that, that completely checks out. Um, yeah. They, they just have to completely abandon the run, which, which I, I think is going to be effective on a, on a per carry basis here on Sunday, you get the Niners, you know, effectively to your point, uh, you know, playing how they want. And, and, you know, so much of football is doing what the other guys don't want you to do. So um, even if theoretically, Wanting Patrick Mahomes to throw it uh, sounds like a bad idea in theory. Over the course of forty plus attempts, you know you're opening yourself up to to some potential, you know, bad things happening. So um, I I think that that's that's an interesting detail to to keep an eye on over the course of this game. Uh, I think that 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 kind of sutures up the the Chiefs side of the equation. So all right, Mario, let's uh, let's get to our predictions. What 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 do we see here? I've been saying some just for the sake of uh, not making a million predictions and, and barely getting one to hit. Uh, I'll keep saying 27, 21 chiefs, but it's you know total coin flip kind of thing to me. And uh, I very much expect it to be, uh, you know, well into the fourth quarter before we have any clarity on who's going to win it. Yeah. I, th- I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, like you said, a one possession game. 
I'm on the other side of it. I think the Niners do it. Um, I think they are the better team. I fell into this trap. I think last year with, with the Eagles, you know, again, like, like we detailed at the start of the show, it's great roster on one side, Mahomes on the other, um, you know, part two, essentially, although the Niners stepping in this time around, I think the Niners find a way. I think they get it done. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes when you, you know, like like we did earlier, analyzing the betting markets, it's, it's I don't think the sports books are going to take a bath on Sunday. You know no. what I mean? Like, I, 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 I just have a hard time them seeing them pay out two thirds of the, of the bets uh, that this uh, on, on Super Bowl Sunday, the most bet event in sports every single year. And that number only grows with, with, you know, more and more States legalizing and everything. So for me, um, I, I think the, the Niners do it. I, I, I'm not completely surprised under that, you know, premise that, that the line has moved a little bit uh, to, towards uh, the, the Niners, or I think it's interesting uh, nonetheless. Um, so I'm going to take the Niners and I'm, I'm stuck on the, on the 21 or the 20, because that, that's the difference uh, in the overrunner because I have the Niners at, at 27 as well. I'll go with, I'll go with the under, give me a Niners, 27 chiefs, 20 um, blowout. <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely boat raising them by exactly uh, one touchdown. So that's how I see it for better, for worse. That that's the side I'm on. Um, I may or may not have rage bet the 49ers uh, when I was up in Maryland uh, once the matchup <laughs> was, was set. Uh, but I was with, with the Niners only as, as one point favorites in, in that or at that juncture. So it's a little different now. Um, let's, uh, let, let's grab a couple props be- before we head out. Um, I think we can just keep this to a, a Super Bowl only show. We we got a lot of off season to to, to cover yeah. over the next few months, so uh, we'll 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 squeeze as much juice out of this game as we can. Um, I have one that that you know you and I being combine guys that the way that we are, this one is like a bug zapper, and I'm I'm just flying right into it. That there's uh, a market available on FanDuel. It might be available on some other ones that's tied to next gen stats fastest offensive ball carrier and this also applies to to kicks and punt returns as well they can rule on these i would have figured there'd be like competing you know our our radar said this anyway there there, there might be um but the uh fanduel is specifically stipulating that these are tied to the to whatever nfl next gen stats has. oh right Gen. okay so these are these are the two that i'm looking at one from each side marquez valdez scantling Fastest ball carrier that pays out plus eleven twenty. Um, you know he he's someone who uh, took, did some digging on this earlier in the week. Um, you know his average depth of target is seventeen yards, so that that implies that you know he's he's up to full speed basically by the time he gets targeted. Uh, assuming that it's not just like a, a catch and and tackle immediately, you know he could really be moving by the time that, that the ball is in his hands, and therefore uh, I think that he's a, a reasonable bet, and I, I think. Among among the Chiefs guys, um, he he would be my obvious one. I, I, I don't think Nicole Hardman. I think Nicole Hardman might be just as fast, but um, they like just, Justin I'm, Watson a lot more. Uh, exactly. Like I'm, I'm not um, sure that the opportunity is going to be there. So I will say, John, uh, if if you're taking that MVS bet, you might think of it as a hedge against your Super Bowl score bet because I think if Valdez Scantling reaches like the highest mile per hour or whatever it means that he caught the ball and yep. uh, it at that speed, it probably means no one caught him. So 
I I really do believe that just one big play out of Valdez Scantling substantially tilts the game toward the Chiefs' favor. Um, so yeah, I, I, um, if you are going 49ers bet, I, I really do believe Valdez Scantling uh, highest ball carrier speed is a great like little bet to get some money back if the first one goes wrong. There we go. Okay, all right. So I'm I'm feeling even better about it. And then uh, on the other side, um, for the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk. For, for the same bet is plus seven thirty. Um, you know, he he I, I did some looking on the next gen stats for during the playoffs and among the the guys on teams that advanced from uh conference championship weekend, he was the fastest recorded uh ball carrier just over 19 miles an hour. Uh that's moving. Um so you can't do that in a school zone. So uh I, I feel like once. <laughs> yeah, so if uh if I'm doing one on the on the Niners side of the of the ledger, which I intend to do, I'm these these are my two guys for for this particular market. So it's MVS plus eleven twenty for fastest ball carrier Brandon Ayuk on the other side plus seven thirty. Yeah, and I would see that one as you know stacking with the the Forty ers Super Bowl pick because again, if Ayuk reaches that sort of threshold speed wise, then he probably went quite a distance and. uh if if Ayuk were not to win that award, that distinction for the 49ers, not that this would be a bad sign exactly, but it would I would think sooner mean it was like McCaffrey and Debo who were the fastest, i.e. they probably didn't have a 30 plus yard play. But uh I think I think the 49ers can win that way just fine personally. But uh I yeah, think- at the very least, if Ayuk does hit that play, they're looking really good. Yes. Um and yeah, if it is uh, Debo or McCaffrey, yeah, it's not like a, a uh, non-starter for their chances in, in, the, in the game, but you know that would suggest if, if either of those guys got up to top gear, they're probably going a very long way uh, themselves. They, they are the two uh, guys with the lowest odds, uh, with both plus uh, 590. Um, I think beyond that, um, I, I detailed that I, I do like Christian McCaffrey to score two or more touchdowns. That's plus 250 over at FanDuel. Uh, one rush, one receiving touchdown for McCaffrey. That would pay out uh, plus 750. Um, let's see. First team to record an interception, I would say Kansas City. Uh, you know, that's basically just saying I, I expect Purdy to throw a pick and less so of, of Mahomes. Um, and then one more that, that was a little bit interesting to me what was uh, Juwan Jennings to score. It's like a touchdown plus money line uh, parlay. Juwan Jennings to score a touchdown, San Francisco to win. That's 10 to 1. That Alan Lazard play, I think, really is open for them if they if they get close enough close enough to this touchdown. Uh, you know, like a nine-yard touchdown catch for, for Juwan Jennings out of the slot against McDuffie off play action is uh somewhat easy to imagine. I I can't remember if I mentioned it uh on the show. I, I know we mentioned the McCaffrey last touchdown one, but also uh I can't remember if we mentioned Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, I believe the numbers were half reception, you know, over under half reception and over under it was either four and a half or five and a half receiving yards. I like the over in both of those cases, you know, one play obviously. And uh, I think this is the kind of game where Juszczyk plays, you know, 25, 30 snaps. So uh, particularly if Shanahan is trying to get the Chiefs to bite on some look that looks like it's going to Kittle or McCaffrey. Uh, have, having the ball go to use check on like a screen on the other half of the field is, is something I can imagine pretty easily happening. 
Yeah, I, I think that he he's a bit of an X factor in in this one. I, I could definitely you know see him you know and it, I think the the great part about that that bet and and pairing them together is you just need one result like you just need him to to catch the ball where he normally catches the ball and and bada bing bada boom you you are cashing um, and I think also that there are some first drive um, props and I. I I do wonder with, with what's been going on with San Francisco and in, in their practice uh, facility stuff this week, if they start a little slow. So I might sprinkle a little bit on, on the Niners punting uh, for, for their first drive results. Huh? Yeah. I, I have not the first clue of how to do bets like these. I, I feel like it gets so abstract in my head. I just end up, you know, swinging at nothing. Uh I don't know. I can't. I can't take a lean on that one. I. I. In my head, uh, in a world where everything goes bad and evil prevails always, I see the 49ers scoring on their first drive. So, okay. uh, like Brock Purdy's going to throw up. He'll he'll fall down and his his like pants will fall down, but he'll have <laughs> enough time to pull them back up and look where his receivers are again. And he'll miss. It'll get tipped to. It'll get tipped in the air, but George Kittle will catch it for uh, an 80-yard touchdown, I think. And the, the uh, you know, sort of like Looney Tunes, like the front of his tuxedo will like fly up yes. over the front of his face. Um, yeah. so. Purdy's tuxedo will fly up over his face. He won't get it back tucked in until the play is over, and he'll still throw a touchdown that's like 75 yards after the catch, after the tip. The, the story, the story of, of his career. Um, you won't know for like a good 30 seconds what even happened. Those things are so hard to get back into your waist. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, starched up to, to into oblivion, man. But um, I do have a little bit that this is just um, th- these aren't team specific. This is just uh, first drive of the game. So take that for, for what you will. But there is a market for it. Of course, over the last, mm, let's say, eight Super Bowl is the, the first drive result starting from last year and working our way backwards. Touchdown for the Eagles. Punt, 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 interception, field goal, punt, field goal, punt. So punt, right. uh, the prevailing one. It, it's it's tough, it seems like, to, to did score the team, right out Sorry, the was the one that scored on their first drive, did they win the game? Uh, that would be the Eagles, and they did not. Okay, so you don't even want to score on the first drive. It's bad luck. I think so. I mean, uh, you know, you can go back to the Devin Hester uh, return, returning the opening kickoff or yeah. uh, to to get more. This is a baseball one, but we, we weave into baseball <laughs> analogies sometimes. But there there is a Braves World Series game a couple of years ago against the Astros where they could have clinched it at home. I think it was game five. And I think Austin Riley hit a grand slam in the first inning. And it was, you know, bonkers, bananas, uh, pandemonium in Atlanta. And then the Astros actually ended up winning that game rather convincingly to, to send the series back to Houston. And then the Braves won the world series. That's uh, John's lucky. He gets to be uh, like a backup Braves fan uh, when, when the O's aren't rolling. So he's just like winning every year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, uh, I do think, um, I don't know as much as the, as we just talked about uh, the, the Eagles being the only one to score on their first drive. And then they got, you know, uh, sh- shown for the, the frauds that they are. Uh, I think the 49ers really do want to, they, they would be in trouble if they don't score on their first drive, I think. Uh, but um, I don't know, I guess, I guess that was, that would also be the case for all those other teams and some of them won. So uh, 
I, I, I do think that's a one that we can put in your like hedge category, John, relative to the, to the original pick. Uh, if, if, if the 49ers don't win, I think you'll at least get uh, maybe the MVS one. And then this, this first drive punt uh, to, 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 I don't know how much you put on them. I guess they could be a windfall, but at the very least they'll, they'll, uh, they'll soften the landing. There we go. You know, I'm going to take that, put it in the old back pocket for, uh, for, for this weekend. Um, I think that's going to do it for us uh, here on this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, the Super Bowl preview. Look at that nice, clean hour breaking down <laughs> exactly just one game. But boy, that that's, that means that we that's really our shortest. That's our shortest episode by forty, I think, five minutes. Yeah, so I honestly don't even know what to do uh, with the rest of my day, with my afternoon. Um, I guess I could. You know, start getting warmed up for for bowling league uh, later on tonight. But that that's about always it. warm but up. Yeah, always got to get that shoulder loose. But that's gonna do it for us. For Mario Puig, I'm John McCagney. Big thanks to our sponsors over at Blue Wire, over at Circa, and of course over at FanDuel. Everybody, enjoy your Super Sunday. And if you want to get some more of our uh, content, get behind the paywall, get ahead of the game for for baseball season. Check out our free trial rotowire.com forward slash try. Enjoy the game, everybody.